All right. Hi, everybody. I am excited about the message that the Lord has given to us um, right now. I feel like as we've been meeting this way um, and praying for you guys, we love you guys, I miss seeing you face-to-face. I miss preaching to you and and then getting the feedback back from you, that back and forth. Um, But the Lord has been incredible in this season. I want to hear those testimonies. We're getting some of them in at the church right now. And it has been amazing to hear how sufficient God is in these times when we are weak, He is strong um, and His grace is sufficient for us in this time. Um, But also, I am in wonder watching how the Lord, as we continue to go through the entire counsel of God. We're, we, we didn't stop because Corona came, but even when we were still meeting how the Lord aligned that our passage of scripture right before we all had to go into quarantine was David taking that census and then literally because he was not trusting in the Lord and crowning him as king, this plague sweeps through Israel. Um, and at the end of that message, I don't know if you remember, this was a couple of weeks back when we were still able to meet together. We at the end of that message claimed that Jesus Christ is Lord. We crowned him as king. Um, And then last week, we were talking about the spirit of Elijah that precedes the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, And then as we continue to go through the word today, he's lining us up again with what I believe is a very timely message. And I'm looking for the remnant. It's real easy. There's a ton of messages getting sent out there right now on the airwaves. Praise the Lord. Use them for that mighty harvest that you're bringing in right now to your kingdom. But there's also messages that need to go out to the remnant of the Lord, uh, the the house of the Lord that's already um, established in His Word. And this is a time and a season where our roots need to grow deep into the soil of the Word of God, where our spirit man, we're feeding our spirit man, and, and we're standing up. We're learning how to rise up and take the territory that the Lord has for us. Um, in this time. So I am excited to talk to you today about the spirit of Jezebel, um, which again, we have in our reading here in uh, Kings, the book of Kings. We're going to continue through. Um, But she also, that spirit, that same spirit of Jezebel shows up in the book of Revelation. Uh, Again, preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ, which we know uh, is is closer and sooner than we've ever been uh, on uh, the face of the planet in time and in history and in space. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you. Um, we lift your name on high. We glorify you, Lord God, Almighty, King of the universe. And right now we humbly come uh, to the table that you've prepared for us in your word, uh, that we would feed right now um, on, on words of life that you have already prepared. You've gone ahead and you've prepared for us for such a time as this. Would you please get me out of the way? Would you waken up every heart, everyone who is listening to this message right now, um, that it is not an accident, um, but that, that you have lined us up with these messages uh, 
on like a schedule that's on your timetable. Um, and you're sanctifying our time right now when we align with what you're doing, with what you're saying, with what your spirit is saying through your word. And we want to rhyme a word from God right now out of the logos. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So um, like I said, a, a little quick recap. Um, as we get close to actually finishing First and Second Kings, uh, next week we will be finishing uh, the second uh, book of Kings. And remember with me, we're going through all the way from Genesis through. Let's go back. Just a recap. David, King David, has unified the tribes of Israel into one kingdom. And God, remember, it was so important. God has promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that from David's line would come a messianic king. So, so we, we get that next unveiling of what God's redemption plan is. And he, he shows it's going to come through the line of David. This messianic king would establish God's kingdom over all the nations of the world. And um, as well as he would fulfill his promises that he made to Abraham. And why do we care about those promises that he fulfills to Abraham? They directly and completely affect you and I. And we also want whatever promise he's made to Abraham, he's going to be faithful to, to fulfill it because we want him to be faithful to fulfill the promises that he makes to you and me. So... The stories in 1st and 2nd Kings, if you've been reading along with us, it tells the stories of the line of kings that come after David. None of these kings live up to that promise, that messianic king that would come and, and was you know, prophesied there. And eventually, the sin of the people and the sin of their kings ruin them. Um, and it completely actually ends up, we're, we're headed our way there in our storyline, puts them in exile. And, and the people of God who are now in the promised land of God get exiled and kicked out of the land because of this sin and turning away from God and His ways. Uh, and, and literally, Jerusalem itself is uh, destroyed. So we're leading up to that. Last week, we saw how Israel, Israel, remember, one kingdom under David and Solomon, it then turns into two rival kingdoms. It gets torn into two. And how God tries to stop and, and warn the people. He's, he's wanting them to repent, which just means to turn from their sins so that this exile would not happen. And, and he's using his prophets. He's using his prophets and he's raising up prophets right now in this day and age, just like we're gonna see here in our story, like we saw last week. But he uses his prophets and these prophets, they would hold the kings accountable to their actions. Were they following God? Were they tearing down the idols? Were they staying in covenant with God? Or were they, they figuring it out on their own, bringing in these other gods and allowing that to happen, the worship of false gods and idols in their land? 
And uh, they would literally be the mouthpiece of God. And you guys, if you follow me, you know I, I already preached this message to um, Bentley today. I preached the message to my son, uh, you know, Isaac today. And I questioned, I said, who is the mouthpiece of God in this day and age? And he's kind of looking at me around like this. And I said, you, you and me, we're the mouthpiece now because we're filled with the spirit of the living God. And we're supposed to be testifying and bringing the gospel to to the world that is in desperate need of hope and of, of what is happening, answers and, and life and talking about that messianic king who we know has already come the first time, Jesus, but he's coming back again very soon and it's time to repent, to turn. So there's the, the prophets now and how they were used then and how God wants to use you and I now to do the same thing. So um, we were introduced to a particular amazing, uh, very colorful character named Elijah. Remember Elijah? And then this week in our reading, we were introduced to Elisha. Sometimes it gets confusing because their names are so similar. So Elijah and then Elisha. Um, and Elijah, when he was taken up by the Lord uh, in that fiery chariot up into the heavens, we know that the mantle of the prophet Elijah falls and lands and Elisha then picks it up and carries on after him taking his place. But Elijah, uh, we looked at this last week, he dealt with the northern king of Israel and he dealt with a particular king and went, went toe to toe with this king named Ahab. And the thing that we're gonna focus on this week is the wife of this wicked king of Israel, and her name was Jezebel. Jezebel. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30, we find the very first reference to this person who is called Jezebel. Now, in this message that I'm gonna to bring to you today, I do not want you, I will not be doing this, labeling a particular woman or person Jezebel. But what we're actually going to be doing in this message is I want you to think in terms of a spirit power that operates in the spirit realm. And that, that we're naming that spirit Jezebel because we'll see the characteristics of what that spirit is through the person in our story named Jezebel. So Jezebel actually literally means Baal exalts or one who has favor of Baal upon her. Um, and, and then you go into the roots of this name and names matter. Everything is on purpose in the word of God. So uh, when you open that up, it actually means one who is unhusband or this one, pay attention, operates independently. Oper we're seeing that rampant, operates independently on your own, apart from God and how we've been designed. The nation of Israel, what they did is they got into alliance with this other Canaanite you know, uh, nation, the nation of the Sidonians through this marriage. 
The king of Israel, what he should have been doing at this time, was actually leading the nation to walk with God. They had literally been given the laws of God, the Torah. We have the commandments. It was to be a light to all nations. They were supposed to go and speak the truth of design, of, of who our Heavenly Father is, of, of what our whole entire purpose and destiny of mankind is supposed to be, what brings you into a path of blessing and what brings you into a path of, of death and cursings. So we're supposed to be doing that. But here we see instead... And I want you to always enter yourself into these stories and, and open your heart to the Holy Spirit and, and put yourself in the shoes of these stories as I give you these points. Instead, what the king of Israel did was he entered into an unholy and ungodly alliance. Is there any place in your life where there's been an unholy or ungodly alliance, a mixture in your life? But that's what the king Ahab did. And when he married this woman, Jezebel, he immediately opened his life to the influence of that spirit power that worked in and through her, Jezebel. See, her father was a priest of Baal, so she introduced the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth, um, where, you know, ever this worship took place of the god Baal, uh, I want you to see what followed from there. It was an introduction to violence on a level that we won't even get into. Uh, literally, the murder and slaying of innocent babies, children. There was um, sexual promiscuity. There was uh, male and female prostitution that would take place at the temple there, at the worship place here. Uh, so wherever Baal was worshipped, that nation was corrupted with a spirit of idolatry. And this is what would happen. When that door would get open, there would be a spirit of heaviness that would come over that nation. Um, and, and so I don't know if any of you have started to feel, uh, you know, as we're under quarantine and it keeps progressing and there's some crazy things going on around outside in the world right now. Um, and while God is moving, the enemy always wants to move at the exact same time. Uh, and we're going to see that in our story here. So there's, you can almost feel, I don't know if any of you can feel, it's like a spirit of heaviness that's trying to come over us right now. I told Shauna, you, you've got to know that that is an atmosphere and there's spirits behind it. And you've got to resist that. We're going to learn about that in this message. But that's what happens wherever uh, Baal was worshipped, this would come in. It would come over that nation or a people group. So Jezebel, here's the thing that this spirit tries to do. This is what she does literally in the story. She set out to destroy all messengers of the Lord. So of course she comes against the prophet. She comes against the prophet. That's what the spirit does too. She destroys prophets wherever she could find them. She hunts them down and then she would kill them and destroy them. And then what she does is she raises up her own prophetic messengers. She calls them prophets. She gives them a place to speak out over the nation. They would call it prophecy, but they were actually speaking demonically empowered words that then would seduce the nation. Um, so the nation, listen, comes under that. They, they come under that spirit. They come under those voices. And listen, what happens is they spiritually 
fall asleep. Does that not sound so much like the times that we are living in right now? So, uh, I mean, yeah, let, just let me keep going. So there in the Old Testament, uh, you have this person named Jezebel, but you also have it in the New Testament, a person named Jezebel again. And we're going to talk about that spirit that is behind both those persons. I want to talk about that spirit. This spirit operates, listen, in both men and women. It operates in both. Uh, it is a manipulating, controlling, insecure, and jealous spirit um, and, and deals with fear. Fear is one of the messengers. Listen to our story here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done. Now remember 1 Kings 18, we talked about that a lot and extensively last week. If you weren't with us, I would recommend listening to the spirit of Elijah. But that is where you had the showdown. You had the 450 prophets of Baal that surrounded their altar and, and they, they literally ate at Jezebel's table, it says. So these are her false prophets over here, 450. And then you've got one prophet of God, Elijah. He comes and it was the showdown to see who is the real God because whoever the fire comes and takes that offering, that will expose who the one true living God is. Is it Baal or is it the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? So you watch this beautiful picture and it's just, you know, you can imagine Abraham goes after the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and crying out all day to their God Baal to bring the fire and, you know, Moses, or Elijah's mocking them. The fire never comes. And then this one lone man and voice of God comes and he, he comes to the altar and it was in disrepair and he repairs the altar of the Lord, the one true living God. And he puts it back together and he calls out to God and fire comes down from heaven. And I mean, it was a powerful demonstration of who God was. And what happens then is that we talked about it last week. He goes and then kills the 450 false prophets of Baal. He executes them with the sword. Now listen, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, quote, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life, and she's speaking to Elijah, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And then when he, meaning Elijah, saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. This is Elijah. This same prophet who I just was telling you about, who had called fire down from heaven and it ignites it so much so it licks up all the water because he had poured three things of water all over the altar and then made a trough of water around and it even licks up the dust around that altar. That same man who then had also killed 450 false prophets of Baal as well as 450 false prophets of Ashtoreth. We know that that's in the scripture as well. And now all of a sudden, this one woman named Jezebel one woman, she comes and she threatens the prophet of God, Elijah. And what does he do? He runs in fear, the spirit of fear. And when you think this, this does not make logical sense. Think about it. 
Think about the facts that we just heard. Uh, there's something else going on behind the scenes here. Now, it doesn't really tell us exactly what this was, but it says when, when she sent a messenger, it says Elijah saw it. He saw it. Um, normally, if, if someone sends you a message, if they tell you something, you hear it. But in the word, it says he saw it. So yes, someone, a person was sent, but I believe demonic powers and cursings were sent against the prophet of God, Elijah. And the enemy is wanting to do that to the church today. He's wanting to do the same exact thing. She sent a spirit, listen, and it was empowered, a spirit of hate. She sent a, a spirit of murder, and even we'll see a spirit of death. And why would she do this? Uh, what's the motivation? To destroy the voice of God in that generation. Did you hear what I just said? To destroy the voice of God in that generation. To shut down the only thing that would threaten Jezebel and her kingdom. 1 Kings 19.3. And when he saw it, that Elijah, Elijah rose and he ran for his life, it says, to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now catch that again, because this is the process. This is what happens when this spirit comes against you. Elijah then isolates himself. He says, quote, I, I alone am left. When the truth is that was a lie, because we know in our story that the Lord reveals to him there were 7,000 other prophets who would not bow the knee to Baal or Ashtoreth and still serve the one true living God. But here, Elijah, with this spirit coming against him, he says, I alone am left. And what he did right there, and what I want to speak to you here, is pay attention. He opened his heart to that message. Do you know that you do not have to receive messages that come against you? Things that, that we're hearing even in the news and fear and that propagation of that continually and feeding ourselves on that. You don't actually have to open yourself up to the messages that come to you. Um, but, but Elijah here, he opened himself up and he got wounded. He received that message of fear. He received it. He allowed it to get into his heart. And now he is gripped by fear. He is gripped by panic. And now this is what happens after that. His mind froze. He actually forgets who he is. He forgets that he is a man of God who literally called fire down from heaven. He forgets his calling. And then the very next thing that happens is his strength leaves him. He is literally and utterly exhausted. And that's what happens when this Jezebel spirit comes against those who are in the house of the Lord that are speaking the truth. It, it, this is the next thing that happens. He's exhausted. He goes and he sits down under a broom tree, it says, and he falls asleep. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. He looks around and there, supernaturally, the Lord had provided by this angel a loaf of bread by his head and then it was baked on some coals with a jug of water. He ate the meal and he goes back to sleep. So that spirit of that power spirit came and shut 
down the mighty man of God, shut him down. A a spirit of depression came over him. Then Elijah, listen, it progresses from there because the enemy doesn't want to just take a little bit of territory, but it is always to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. You you cannot make any alliance and open yourself up to any of the messages that the kingdom of darkness wants to have for you because this is where it wants to go. Complete annihilation. So then Elijah, he starts getting thoughts of death. This is the progression, suicide. Verse four, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Uh, This is the scripture. He says, this is Elijah. It is enough now, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. This is a demonic spirit. (laughs) This is thoughts of death, thoughts of suicide, thoughts where you start feeling like I quit and I can't do this anymore. I'm done, I quit, I quit. And I know I've had times like that. Sean's had stories with me. I preach a message and I just go, oh, you know, no one's listening. This isn't affecting anything. And I'm just going to quit and get a job at Starbucks. And these thoughts of even just quitting, but it wants to take you all the way to the place of thoughts of even suicide, that depression coming over you. Now, Later in Elijah's story, um, in 1 Kings chapter 19, you keep going, and he's hiding out in a cave, Elijah is. And, and the Lord meets him. We're going to go into that. But, but what's so cool is there's this whole progression, and, and the Lord coming and, and meeting with, with you know, his friend Elijah. You know, they know each other well. They've worked together <laughs> to bring his message and light and truth uh, you know, in, in his time and space. And the Lord wants to do that with you and me right now. Um, so he, you know, he's looking for that remnant, but here Elijah is, and he's in that cave and it says that the Lord God sent this mighty wind that comes before him. And then there's this fire that comes before that cave again, ripping through. Then there is an earthquake that shakes Elijah in that cave, but God was in the still small voice that followed after the wind and the fire and the earthquake. And what happens, and it's just so sweet, and I pray you get that in this message right now. Elijah gets a touch of God. And as soon as he gets a touch of God, look at what happens. He gets the word of God, and then it starts prophetically flowing in his heart and in his mind again. He has clarity. He has direction. He has purpose. He knows what to do. He starts hearing the voice of the Lord and it starts flowing in him. And the Bible then says, this is scripture. He got up and he ran for 40 days and 40 nights. And Isaac, my son, who's in high school said, well, that's not possible. And I said, exactly. It's called supernatural strength. How many of us need some supernatural strength for this day and this age and this time right now? Yes. So Elijah, he's hiding there in that cave until God spoke to him. And God comes to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I think he might be speaking that to some of us even right now. What are you doing here? You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're a man called to change a nation. (laughs) Why are you in the cave? 
And God speaks to him. He calls him out and he does it in a gentle voice. And he encourages Elijah. He encourages you and I right here, right now. And then he sends him back. And he says, Elijah, you're not alone. I've got 7,000 others, but look it, you've been operating by yourself and you were that one mighty man of God who came and brought the fire against the 450 prophets of Baal. But now my word to you is, I want you to go and anoint this man, Jehu, and I want you to anoint this king and I want you to anoint Elisha. And so he gets this word from the Lord and, and he releases uh, him to go and anoint these people because he says they're going to be the ones that tear that wicked spirit power down. And we know later in our reading that Jehu is used by God to finish the job and Jezebel is killed. The very moment that she uttered words against the Lord God, she wrote her sentence. So we do not fear a spirit of Jezebel. You need to know though that you know, even in this time of Corona, they call this the lonely disease. Um, we are still to be connected like this through messages, through, for, we need to not isolate ourselves. See what, what the prophet did under this spirit is isolating yourself in the sense of getting alone with God is a good thing. That is always a good thing, but that's not actually being alone because you're bringing God into that situation. What he did here, and if you are feeling this in your own life, I just want to isolate and go and be alone with myself, by myself. That's when this spirit is coming against you, and that is when the enemy is at work. Um, we are not supposed to do this on our own. We are called to do this together. Um, and if you find any of these things resonating with you, then you know you, you need godly counsel. You need people who will stand with you and help you to come against this thing, to stand. And we're gonna do that together in this message. I mean, if you say, well, I don't have any <laughs> righteous, holy friends to call, call the church. We are open, uh, email us, we are praying for you. You are not alone. And I'm telling you that message right now. But in the New Testament, the name Jezebel shows up in the book of Revelation, chapter two, verse 21. It's a different time in history, different generation, uh, all of that, but it's the exact same spirit. It talks there about that spirit operating within the church. It's Jesus, and he's literally speaking to the seven different churches that are representative of, of the churches that are here right now. And he speaks and he says, I have this thing against you. You're tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. And that was sent to the church. So it, it shows that it prophetically works and operates within the church. And what does the spirit do? Seducing and causing an influence that drew people away from God. It also draws them into sexual sin. And then also, listen, you're like, well, look, I'm not into sexual sin. I'm not doing that. I'm still all kinds of independence from God. You know, we're not gonna make it through this next season as the Lord is coming very soon and the birth pains, they're starting, right? Here we are. We need to know and learn that we are completely and totally dependent in humility on the Lord and His word, His ways, His timing. We need more than ever to be filled and led by the Spirit of God dependent on Him. So God spoke in the Old Testament and New Testament of that same spirit power that literally led the people of God astray, listen, 
so that they don't walk in their destiny that God had for them. You know, God has a destiny that He's written over every single one of us, all of His kids. And this is what that Spirit wants to do. They, it, it comes against you so that you don't fulfill the plan that God has for you in your life. That same Spirit power is operating to cause the people of God to literally be drawn away from what they should be doing. It is time to wake up, church. The Lord is, this is a time for us to wake up up, to, to pay attention, to understand. You know, we, we even said he's using signs in the heavens. I told you how, um, and my dad has reiterated this, uh, Pastor Ray, that there's been a supermoon. And whenever it happens on a feast day or a festival in Israel that God has, has placed, you start paying attention. He's getting our attention, church, right now. And we have the supermoon that was on uh, Purim, and then you have the supermoon that is coming up on uh, Passover. We're coming upon that this, this soon. And then the next one for 2020 is on uh, the Feast of Trumpets. So we need to start waking up and paying attention and not getting our cues from just the headlines of Drudge or wherever you look, you know, for your news, you know, with updates and things like that. Uh, we, we need to, to be listening to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying right now. The Bible tells us that there are spiritual powers that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, your kids are not, you know, what you're fighting against right now as you homeschool or your husband or husbands out there, your wives or whatever it might be. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But Ephesians 6 tells us that there is an invisible, uh, you know, spirit realm where spiritual powers operate. And these spirits, listen, they find expression through the lives of people. That's how it works. Um, let me give you an example. Peter, when he was uh, you know, following Jesus as one of his disciples, when Jesus was walking on the earth, um, you know, he looks at Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are uh, the Christ, the Son of God. And he says, Peter, you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then Jesus goes on to tell the plan that he is going to be killed uh, and Peter then immediately steps up and he says, no, that will never happen. And then what does Jesus immediately say after that? Get behind me, Satan. But he was speaking to Peter. But in that moment, the enemy was able to come and sift through Peter at that time and actually speak through him and speak words that went against what the Lord Jesus Christ came on the planet to do, our salvation story. So that's an example of it. Jezebel the woman had an invisible spiritual power that worked through her as she yielded to it. Hang in there with me. We're almost done. Uh, I want to get us to a time of prayer where we stand up against this. But 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us that there are strongholds. Strongholds are positions in our life that allow demonic powers to influence us. Simply put, lies that we believe, lies that we believe. And then that affects how we think. And then how we think affects what we do. It affects our actions. It affects our view of, of life, of, of, of ourself, um, of what's happening in the world, what, who God is, what all of those things. So the enemy looks for broken places in your life and in my life. And then, and then 
literally, this is why we need to not have just a come to Jesus moment where you said the gospel prayer and salvation prayer when you were five years old with your grandma or that one time you went to church and you walk forward. But we need to continually be being healed by the Lord, by the truth and the washing of His Word. We need restoration and deliverance continually, especially as we walk through this time right now, so that there is no open door, not one open door uh, in our hearts or in our soul that the enemy can then plant those things and then work through us. These spirits, they gain influence by feeding a person lies, and then that person comes into agreement with that lie, believing that lie, acting on that lie. So God hates this spirit. He hates this spirit because it destroys identity. It destroys who the people of God are. And listen, it shuts down the supernatural. It makes everything come down into just this natural world. And it puts kind of a brass heaven over you. It just wants to shut it down. It comes in with control and manipulation. And then heaviness that comes. It's an oppressive heaviness and fear that eventually, even if it's not dealt with, leads to thoughts of suicide and and death, as we saw in Elijah's story. Uh, and, And then all of that leads to a loss of destiny. It leads to a loss of purpose. And then your strength is completely sapped from you, just like Elijah. We saw that. You just are exhausted. I mean, where it's almost like a a blanket over you that you can feel. If you hear this message and you think, I've opened my life or my inner man to this, I've actually allowed some some control to operate around my life and, and shut down the anointing or that flow of the spirit in my life. There's good news. It's good news. God can get you out of it if we respond to him, if we simply turn. If we are humble and we are teachable and we listen and we see the way that He has made the world to operate. If you feel like you can't see spiritually right now, you you feel like I just can't see, I can't hear, you're living in a state of confusion, you can't hear what God is saying or what He is doing. There's a passivity in your life, in in your walk. You feel inactive. Um, You're not standing where God has told you to stand or functioning like God wants you to function. You have no strength and you feel weak. When these control powers come against you, the first and the biggest thing is you got to recognize you got to recognize that it's there and what it is and call it out. Uh, Satan loves to work on the ignorance of, of the believing, Bible-believing church of how the spirit realm operates. Um, so he will totally capitalize on your ignorance of these things. Don't allow it anymore. You've got to recognize what this is. And then, no, it's not a person. Although it operates through a person, in and around them, and listen, it can even operate through you, through your life. We've all had this happen before. Uh, we got to recognize the enemy and that it is a spirit. So guess what? 
It requires spiritual weapons to combat it. And the whole thing is, first you recognize it, you call it out, and you stand against it. Um, so here we're at the end of the message, and I just want you to close your eyes. We're just going to go before the Lord, and you can follow along with me. But the Lord tells us if we can confess our sins, that the Lord Jesus Christ, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, so Father God, we just ask right now um, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give each and every one of us wisdom. We need wisdom. In the book of Revelation, that chapter two, you were telling the church Jesus and you're telling us today, I have this against you. You tolerate that Jezebel spirit. Um, so Lord, if there is any place that we have tolerated the Jezebel spirit, um, because it just seems too big and too scary and we've opened that door, we let those words come and shut us down. Lord, we confess it right now. We repent of it right now, Lord God. So if the Holy Spirit's bringing that up in your heart or mind, you just bring it to the foot of the cross, you confess it, and you ask Him to forgive you and to take it from you. Or if you yourself have, have had that, that controlling manipulation, a little bit of fear spirit coming through you and, and you're, you're shutting people down. You don't even realize it, especially in this time and season uh, of, of fear and, and the world on, on you know lockdown and all these things. Um, you confess it and you make it right before the Lord. And again, it's simply just coming to the one who loves you and bringing it into the light, putting it at the foot of the cross and asking him to wash you, to take it from you, forgive you and wash you in the blood of the Lamb. And then, Lord God, would you please, in this time, would you get us up on the mountain with you to hear your still small voice? After that wind goes and the fire and the earthquake, oh, are you shaking everything that can be shaken in our lives right now? You're burning up all the wood, hay, and stubble in our lives right now. Lord God, the, the wind, we, we, we know the Holy Spirit, you're speaking, but we need to get that fresh touch from you, alone with you, and hear that still small voice. Now, the other part that I want you to do in your own head and heart is tell him, because this is what scripture tells us, we submit ourselves to you, Lord Jesus, right now. We submit ourselves to God. And, and I say, I submit myself to you, God. And I resist the devil. I resist Satan. And the Lord tells us in his word, then the enemy has to flee. And so right now I just speak in the name of Jesus, and in his authority, not mine, but in the authority of Jesus Christ, I tell every demonic spirit that has come against you in, in a plan to shut you down right now where the prophets of God need to stand and speak, speak the truth in the gospel. We come against every demonic spirit that's come against you and tell them to go now in Jesus' name. I rebuke you now in Jesus' name. We are under the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. And every spirit of rejection, every spirit of fear, every spirit of depression, intimidation, control, manipulation, you go now. In Jesus' mighty name, go. 
And right now, Lord God, I just pray that you would fill all of us with now that the spirit of Elijah would come on every listener, every heart, every mind for such a time as this. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, um, I, again, um, love you. I miss you, but I do feel connected through prayer, thinking about you, knowing the messages God's preparing for us, um, hearing what God is doing in your lives, um, even in this time. And uh, yeah, I look forward to meeting with you again next week. God bless you guys. Mm -hmm.